What up, everybody? In this episode, we go over Gignac's extension, Diego Lainez's arrival, the current state of the team, and what's coming up next, and a little bit of Tigres Feminine news. Hope you enjoy the episode. What up, everybody? We are back on another episode with Lewis from Figures English and Edgar from Double L Nation. Guys, how we doing tonight? Super happy, man. Really happy with the latest announcement. Um, glad to see Gignac get the two-year extension and retire here at the club. Yep, that and Hugo Ayala earlier getting rumored to join the admin team. Also really great news. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. It's been a good year so far. Such a short year in one month. So much has happened as a Tigres fan. There's a lot to be excited about. And we're going to start it right off with the most important news probably of the year so far with uh, Gignac currently announcing his extension of a contract for two more years. So we get him until the end of 2025 and Rest assured, we'll probably have him after that in another role. So, uh, Lewis, your initial thoughts about what you heard on the interview and, you know, just your thoughts in general about this man signing another contract extension and extending his career here. Well, it was great to hear the interview, for one, just how much passion he has for the game and his work ethic. Uh, he mentioned how much he invests in his body and all the machinery that he's bought to be able to play at a high level, even even though he's getting up there in age. Um, we need people like that at the club. We need people who are fully committed to to their craft, fully committed to the club. And so having a guy like that around is, is great for, for the club, but it's also great for the kids coming up from the youth system. I think it sets a good example for them of how they need to prepare to be great athletes. And so, you know, um, Edgar mentioned Uwayala going into an admin role. I think that's the next step after retirement for Gignac. So I think it's great to keep people like that around. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that they kept repeating on the interview from Lina de Cuatro, uh, Russo Samogini first mentioned it and then Ricardo Pelais, and you sort of touch on it uh, talking about the future um, and, you know, setting an example. And they mentioned in the interview that this this interview should be shown to most professionals because of his commitment to himself, first of all, and the sport in general. So great uh, point there. Edgar, how you doing? What are you thinking about this uh, Gignac extension or ending his career here now? You know, it's real great news. It's a bit bittersweet because, you know, the end is coming, but luckily it's not this year. We got two more years with that. And one of the things that really resonated with me from that interview was he said, I'm renewing my contract because I feel like I still have something left to give. He said, I wouldn't be renewing this contract if I felt like I was going to be stealing from the team and just, you know, getting a check essentially. And that's, it's great to hear. And then he, he backed it up with the fact that he is investing in himself and, he, you know, there's just so much more left to the story. Yeah. And what a story it has been. So I uh, want to touch really quickly. Uh, we can sit here for, hours and hours talking about Gignac and everything he means to the club. But I uh, want to just, you know, honor him with uh, 
your favorite moment uh, since his arrival in 2015 when he came to change the entire history of this club. He even points it out and alludes to it in his interview that his team is becoming un grande, right? And so the media loves talking about Tigres nowadays and whether it's good or bad. And this man, you know, came into something that was already running and other guys before him started, but he took this kingdom and decided to make it his own. He continues to make it his own. So I want to honor him with that, Lou. What do you, what's your favorite moment, uh, Man, <laughs> that's that's a tough question because there's so many of them. Um, personally, I'll never forget his first goal against Internacional, uh, yeah, the Brazilian team in uh, Libertadores. There was so much buzz at the stadium, and and it just it felt very special. Like if you you felt like it was the start of something really special. And I just, I'll never forget, you know, that cross into the box, him heading it in, and just the, the stadium was lit up, man. It was crazy. Uh, the other one that comes to, to my mind is also in 2015 against Pumas, that overtime goal, which, you know, we were up against the ropes, and when he scored, I felt like we had life again. Uh, but there's just so many with Gignac, man. I mean, that guy's given so much to this club. But those are the two that really stand out for me. All right, let's give it one more. Give me your third one, your top three. Uh, man, the golazo against uh, Rayados when we eliminated them in uh, 2016. The free kick. Yeah, the free kick golazo and and uh, at at BBVA, you know, at the at the Rayados Stadium, that one was really special. Just because of, of pride reasons, I felt like we were really sticking it to Rayados. Would you say that 2015 was his best season, that his first year? I mean, he's had great seasons every year, but and you know he had a couple off years, but they weren't really like horrible years. But I want to know what your opinion is. Is 2015 his best season? I don't know, man. I think 2017 is up there for me. 2015 okay. was special, but as far as performance, I think he had everybody around him that he wanted that year. There was just a lot of weapons, and there was so many games where Theodos was just firing on all cylinders. Hey, Edgar, do you think he's uh, he's giving in that 2017 was more stacked than 2022 or 23? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's hard. I think he was. I mean, kind of want to agree with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what about you? What about you, Edgar? Top three moments of Gignac's uh, time at Theodos. Oh, man, there's just so many. Uh, one of the ones that comes to my mind recently, because I was looking at the picture earlier, that Chilena that he scored at the Estadio Akron against Chivas about a year or two ago. I mean, I really, that was just a, such a beautiful moment. That's one of the goals that I would like framed. Just because it was so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, And then just off the field, there's so much about him, just so much about who he is as a person. Uh, One of my favorite moments from him was when I got my jersey signed at the DFW airport. Uh, so I met him and everything, shook his hand, took a picture, all that. Uh, and then I'm around with the other players. He's on a Zoom call with, I want to say it was Alessandrini, who was at LA Galaxy at the time. He and Cola were speaking French on a FaceTime. Someone interrupts this phone call and he says, please give me a minute because he's on the phone. And he goes back to that person and he makes sure that they get a picture and get their autograph. That was just such a human moment that I got to experience in person. I thought it was beautiful. Um, and just how he adapted to the Mexican culture. If you see for my third moment, 
I think it was in the documentary that they did on Florian, uh, where he's just in the background singing Norteñas. I mean, he's just having a blast, and that was just such a incredible moment as well that he really embraced and loved the culture. I want to guess, and I could be wrong, but it had had to be intocable. I, I'm I know he was listening to intocable. Um, yeah, the man's amazing, man. Some of the things, some of the most things that I remember uh, or moments that I let's just call it goals. And, you know, I hate that, you know, we didn't get the championship against Chivas in 2017, but some of his best goals have come against Chivas. And the first goal that he scores, not his first goal at Tigres, but the one in the league where he's on the left side and he just like dances in and he just like kicks it very softly to the side of the keeper. But he was like, not, he was, I don't, it was just a weird angle to like score from, I guess. Normally you go top corner off opposite side. He went first post and it was such a like easy goal for him. And it just confirmed to me that we had a special player. You're able to identify Lucas Lobos. You were able to identify Walter Gaitan. I'm sure, you know, back in the day, Tomas Boy, Barbadillo, some of these special players. So just, you just knew that this guy was going to be an all-star or a magician on the field. So that was one of my favorite moments. Obviously, some of the goals the, where he scores his 105th goal uh, to pass Tomas Boy against Pumas. That was because all the beef that they had, you know, that season while he was coaching. So it just made you even more proud as a fan that he scored that goal. And one of his most recent goals uh, that I really enjoyed was the free kick. I uh, uh, can't remember who he scored it against. Blasted it this past season. Who was it? Uh, can't recall it. Who cares? But his most, you know, he shows you that his ability to go beyond what he's already giving you in his arsenal for scoring goals. So the free kicks became really important later in his career. So that really like, you know, resonated with me. So like I said, we can sit here and talk hours about this man, but all in all, great news for the club, for the present and for the future. Yeah, no doubt, man. We need, we need more more Gignacs like that. Hopefully, a few years down the road, we can replicate something like this. I mean, guys like that are once in a 30-year kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and it's what an incredible run. So, great news. Moving on, though, uh, Tigres, San Luis, this past weekend, guys. Uh, another tie. Uh, we started off the year or the season so well with two victories and, you know, very convincing victories too. Now we still played great. I think uh, we just didn't really convert. So I want to talk about a little bit about the game and a little bit about the system and how we came out to play that day. Cause there was a lot of uh, criticism of Diego Coca after that game. Uh, Lou, why don't you start us off tactically? What did you think about the game initial starting lineup and formation? I I think like 20 minutes into the game, I felt that be going shouldn't have been there anymore. Uh, you could have just easily brought in another attacking midfielder. I felt Vigon, this isn't against Vigon, it's just where he was playing up against that left wing. It's just, it's not him. That's not where he plays. That's not where he's effective. And so I felt like pretty early on, you could tell he needed to be subbed out. And, and that was one criticism I had about that game was that Coca waited way too long to make any substitutions. I think I said it after the game, he pulled a Tuca. Um, where he waited way too long for it. And by the time he made his subs, it was too late. 
uh, the team had kind of lost confidence because if you look at that game, the way we started, we really did attack, attack a lot those first uh, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and then we kind of ran out of steam. One thing Tigres is going to have to learn is is to break teams that come in and just bunker down. It's, we're going to see at least four or five more games like this at home where teams come in, you know, put eight, eight people in the box and, and they're just defending for their dear life. Um, it's just, it's normal. Tigres is going to have to learn to, to break it apart, but Coca is going to have to do his part also. I think he had subs in his pocket that he never used. And that's the one criticism I had about the game. Honestly, the team looked well. Like I think player, we had possession, which is awesome. And that's the one thing that gets me really, really confident is that this team is going to be able to boss possession with most teams. And when you have possession like that, you're going to be able to defend very well. So, so far, we've only allowed two goals, two goals a season, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we're at plus eight, plus six goal differential. So I think, you know, we're right where we want to be as far as defense is concerned. And I think we're going to be solid, man. I don't I don't see a lot of teams scoring on us because we're we're possessing the ball, but we're defending well and the, the back line solid. But I think. In the tough games, especially come Liguilla, Coca's going to have to learn to use his subs, especially now that you have so many weapons. Lainez is coming in. You got Cordova on the bench. Why isn't he using them? So those are all things that if he doesn't get fixed soon, that the fans are going to turn on him, just like they turned on Duca. Yeah, I feel like in order to sign a contract at Tigres as a coach, one of the requirements must be how to break teams down when they park the bus. Because for since I can remember, we have struggled with that forever. And so uh, you talked a lot about the possession. Um, Edgar, what do you make about these stats that I'm going to read to you? 71% possession, 18 shots, three on goal, um, and 10 corner kicks. Do you think that with what you've seen so far, do you see a difference in the way that we have approached our attack in our transitions as well as utilizing now um, corner kicks to more to our advantage. You know, it's a little bit, uh, I guess, frustrating hearing those stats and then, you know, not a single goal out of that. Um, but I do remember a time where you couldn't even get it 18 shots in one game. You would get three or four at most. And that was, you know, it's a big difference. Uh, there's obviously room for improvement but it's reassuring that we have the right mindset and the right approach we just like you guys were saying need to focus on breaking down the parking the bus and figuring out counters letting the rival come out and you know come for the ball we have a solid back four i think if we just played it back and let San Luis, all right you want we're not going to play your game just come take the ball from us something like that um so it's definitely something that we could do yeah, and I feel like one of the things that's encouraging also is like I mentioned the 10 corner kicks, but in the corner kicks, there's a lot more danger present um, uh, in the when it's happening. I felt like during Piojo, that was something that was sold to us as a possibility and it didn't really score many goals off of corner kicks. I think that might be a stat. I mean, I think we broke it last year. It was first goal in I don't know how many years off of a corner kick. With Tuca, I can't, I'm pretty sure we'd never uh, trained uh, or practiced corner kicks. So 
that to me is important to set pieces. And, you know, when teams come and park the bus like that, you have to be able to take advantage of situations like that. We have great players of height and, you know, obviously Gignac in the box, who's always a threat. So I think that that's where the angle should be when you play teams that park the bus at home or away on the road. So also wanted to mention though, you guys talked about the subs. Um, his subs of choice were Fulgencio, Nico, Ibanez, and Diente Lopez. Fulgencio was the first sub, which was probably realizing that Vigo needed to come after 10 minutes into the game, but didn't really want to make that sub, obviously. So what do we make of the substitutions? And what do we think about Cordoba not playing uh, 10 minutes so far in four games? It to me it's it's worrisome that I still think I said it last time in the pod that I, I think something's going on as far as uh chemistry between Coca and Cordoba. There it could be that they're just not they're clashing as far as philosophy, they're clashing as far as what uh Cordoba needs to do on the pitch, but there's something going on there because there's no explanation for not playing him really. Um Fulgencio, in my opinion, you either start him for that game or you really don't play him at all because I don't know if he was fit uh, or if you play him, you, you play, you give him maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes max because he's coming off an, an injury and he's not fit. So to me, it's like, if he's ready to go, then start him, let him play wherever you're going to play. Otherwise, you know, wait to the end. And there was so many opportunities in this game to get rid of another center back or get rid of a holding mid to be able to bring in another attacking player, he never did. So to me, I don't know if it's lack of awareness by Coca or he's just being stubborn or he's trying to work something. Uh, but it to me, that was the one main concern. And I think you heard it from the fans at the end of the game with some of those boos. And the thing with Tigres fans is they're very loyal and they'll support you. But if they feel like you're being stubborn for no reason, there's no explanation for, for your methods, then they'll turn on you. They'll let you know. And so I think that's the fans letting Coca know. And he needs to understand, like, if, if the fans continue this way, you know, they'll flip on him. And then he, he'll he be like Piojo at the end of his of his run. Nobody wanted him around. And that's not good long-term for him. So I think he needs to learn to – I'm not saying listen to the fans, but I'm saying don't be stubborn. It, it, you know, try to have some, some awareness there. Yeah. Edgar, do you, do you see him starting – Anytime soon, do you think he has a role on this squad? Uh, I sort of sense that, you know, Lewis points out that there may be some, like, tension uh, and maybe some capacity between coach and player. Um, maybe is he not the right player for the way that he wants to play? What do you make of it? I mean, he's certainly got something to bring to the table. I don't think that Coca doesn't believe in him i think there yeah there's just definitely some sort of friction that we don't understand where it's coming from um i think before he gets an opportunity in the starting 11 he's gonna have to find a way to get minutes in as a sub i don't see coca putting trust in him for the starting lineup just yet uh, this game was the perfect opportunity for that and we just didn't see it happen yeah one who's definitely taking advantage of his opportunity though guys uh chui garza what a revelation this kid has been. Shout out, Piojo. Best thing he did for us. And giving for us real. two scoring titles uh, for Gignac and Nico Lopez. Um, this kid, I mean, 
Lou, you mentioned it. You know, you you talked about him being a better version of Chaka or along the some uh along the lines of how he plays. Uh he has so much potential. Obviously, he was an attacking player. He talked about it today recently. I think I saw it on my Twitter timeline. He was getting interviewed and I think he was in a press conference today, right after practice. And he talked yeah. about the importance of like he has to compete and do his best uh every day, you know, especially surrounded with highly talented individuals like Tigres has. So Lou, Chuy Garza, what do we make in the first four games? First in defensive duels won, second in effective passes, and fourth in interceptions. Stud so far. Kid's the real deal, man. I mean, I saw glimpses glimpses of it when, when uh, Herrera started him in the friendlies in San Antonio. And, and I remember saying, man, that kid looks – looks like he's the real deal and i don't know what happened uh he sort of fell out of favor with with piojo there over the over the coming weeks the 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 following weeks but you could tell now he's there to stay i don't i don't see anybody i don't see loroña taking that spot from him i I mean he is so active on the pitch and he's got so much juice to be able to get up and down he it seems like he just got endless energy it reminds me of aquino that energy that Aquino brought back in 2015 when we first got him, he's able to get up and down. He anticipates play so well. It seems like his awareness is is uh, above the average right back. Uh, you see him thinking ahead. You see him moving to the spots. And that's why he's able to win his duels. He's uh, get a ton of interceptions, tons of clearances, because he's able to anticipate plays very well. That's, and that's a mind thing. That's not necessarily, you know, just the athleticism. That's, that tells you it's a kid who's thinking about the game, studying the game, knows what he's doing out there. And I think he's only going to get better as he matures. So to me, I said it this week, I hope he doesn't take him. I hope he never gets called up because they'll ruin him. Um, To me, the kid is, is the real deal, man. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think Edgar called it earlier. He ends up in Europe before not too long i mean the guy the guy has a lot of really awesome qualities and the thing is like we don't need him to be with the national team per se because Tigres gets so much exposure internationally now and Gignac is a lot to think for that but you know obviously all the players that have come from here and then gone elsewhere you know uh, in the interview, he talked about he was praising Edu Vargas, he was praising Ener Valencia, leaving and still tearing it up. So I think Tigres and then the what we you know the women and everything that they're doing with on the women's side. So the exposure I think is going to come naturally. So I wouldn't be surprised if this kid you know in the future, obviously with a lot more development and a lot more discipline at his position, could go to Europe as you mentioned. Um, you said he was like Aquino. I think he's better technically than Aquino is and was uh, as he developed at Tigres. Uh, Edgar, anything you want to add onto that about Chuy Garza? Yeah, like I was telling Luis, I think because obviously Tigres isn't known as an exporting team and we're not known as a team that really sells their players, <laughs> especially in recent days. We Well, recent transfers, we've had a lot of them go for free. Um, but I have so much faith in this kid. I think he's going to be the first to go to a big club in Europe, not just uh, following in the footsteps of other Mexicans who have gone abroad, but I think he could really make it to a big club. Um, Gignac is right there for the connections. Who knows? In a year, we might see him going straight to Marseille. 
And Yak was talking about it too. Anyone who has the opportunity to go there should definitely take advantage of it. And that's just a door that could open up for him. Yeah, I totally agree. So got a stud. And it helps when you have Noel in the back and two goals given up by a defense who sort of established that defensive presence last year with Samir Caetano, Igor Lichnowski's improvement, and now Diego Coca's discipline and, you know, getting that balance back from all its players. So good to have him on the field. Uh, very excited for him. Canterano, love to, you know, hear all that. So he might be challenging all those uh, top 20s and Mexican positions uh, that we listed, Lou. So <laughs> moving on, guys. Factor Linus. I don't even know why they call this dude Factor Linus until I had to look up the video of Martinoli, and it was amazing. Factor Linus has made it from Sevilla to Monterrey. Diego Mania or Linus Mania happened while he was doing his uh, medical exams. Taking on the number 16, which, you know, we hold closely to uh, our fan base with Diablo Nunez and Luquitas Lobos. But, Edgar, what do you make of his arrival? Are you excited for him or for the team? Do you expect things out of him? Or is he just going to be a slightly Cordova role type player? No, without a doubt, I'm very excited to have him on the team. Um, yes, he's still very young, and people kind of criticize him for that. If anything, that just works so much more to our advantage that he is young and he is at the level where he's at. Um, it's just an attribute to where, if need be, and he needs to be in that starting 11, he can so effortlessly do that and take care of business. Um, and I'm just, I do have a bar set high for him, especially because he's coming back from Europe, whether he was a starter over there or not, just. He has to have some sort of talent and something more to bring to the team versus uh, one of the U-20 players that we're going to bring up and put onto the pitch here and there. Lou, I was going to mention, you know, we talked about Fulgencio coming on. So naturally, that makes me think that that's Diego Linus' minutes, you know, first option for the wings. What do you see uh, as his role with Tigres, do you think he fits into Diego, Diego Coca's systems? Do you expect him to see any minutes anytime soon, or are we going to like slowly work him in? I think we're going to slowly work him in. Um, I don't see him coming in and taking anybody's spot right away, just, just because everybody that's already starting is pretty settled in. The team's looking really well. Uh, so I see him getting minutes slowly, working into the rotation, and then potentially down the road, you know, becoming a starter. But for now, I think it's just wait and see. I think, um, you know, if we see – I don't know if we'll see him next game, but the game after that, I think he, I wouldn't mind seeing him for 20, 30 minutes to see how he does out there. There's definitely room for him in the squad, though. There's there's not a whole lot of players that can dribble like he dribbles. You know, he's a, he's he's one of those guys that likes to take people on. There's a difference, you know, between a guy who can dribble – and he does it out of necessity, but there's guys that enjoy that one-on-one. And he's, to me, he's one of those dudes that enjoys going at defenders. And so there's not a lot of those in the club. And when you do have a guy like that, you got to use him, especially in tough games like, like San Luis, when people bunker down, you want a guy like that taking people on, going into the box, drawing fouls, shooting, passing, you know, uh, you know, making some chaos in the box to be able to generate some scoring chances. Absolutely. And, you know, Florian's departure and his arrival is sort of the initial, like, 
when it first came to my head speaking to my father about like Florian possibly being the the guy that was leaving that was one of the things that I acknowledged first is like well we don't have really wing he's not really a winger that's going to take players on the only one that does that is Luis Quiñones and Fulgencio Fulgencio we knew he was going to start the season hurt so it made more sense to get rid of a player who was not going to play at his natural position, which was the winger and allow Diente and Carioca, which had been, you know, one was starting, uh, which was Carioca and Diente coming off the bench as the first sub. So having someone now that can give you that attacking uh, style and possibly be, you know, one of the uh, best players for Mexico moving forward, I think it's a no brainer no matter the criticism that, you know, he gets behind his playing time in Europe, the dude went and he, it didn't happen. Just like all of those experienced things that don't happen. The only advantage that the, this guy has is that he's 22 years old, like Edgar mentions, and that works out great in our favor. So his stock is not going to decline. It's only going to go up. Um, and so I'm excited that we find a player that, it's excited to get on the field. You know, he's coming to a winning team with a lot of championship pedigree, pedigree, a championship pedigree coach. So a lot to offer and just benefits all of us as a fan base. I think it makes a huge difference. The attitude the player has when they get to the club. Um, I'm working on a little study here where I see the performance at Tigres based on how enthusiastic they are about their arrival. If you look at Cordova, he wasn't too stoked about coming to Tigres, and he hasn't really panned out. Uh, you look at guys like Gignac, who were just super excited to come. They were all in. And I get the sense that Lainez is appreciative that he's getting a, sh a shot to play with this squad, and he's excited for what's ahead for him. And I think that enthusiasm, that attitude, I think is going to help him a ton under Coca, especially because Coca has been willing to adapt. You know, Coca would do the 4-4-2, but he can also do 4-3-3. He can do 4-2-3-1. And so I think that fits in well with, with Lainez to be able to slide into these positions and, and get some starting time down the road. Yeah, and he could possibly get on this weekend as we uh, head into Estadio Azteca, his old home when he uh, played for America. It'd be great to get him some minutes and possibly set up an assist or a goal. Um, anyways, as we visit or go to Estadio Azteca, we know for sure we got two changes coming. Uh, Nico Bañez will be starting uh, and Igor Lichnowski is going to the bench. And that is because of the foreign rule on the field with eight. As we all know, next season uh, we'll be uh, coming down to seven on the field. And then Igor coming out on the defense means Diego Reyes is coming in. So we get some rotation slightly by force because of your no arrival. Do we see uh, rotations of players coming soon? Do we see anybody actually getting a shot at a starting position? I know both of you have mentioned that, you know, everybody's kind of set. Everybody's in a groove right now. But what do we make, Edgar, of the uh, first start for Nico Ibanez? I think it's good and I think it's necessary. I think just going back to the San Luis game, there was no point in throwing him in at the time that we did, just we have so much offensive power now with Factor, with Nico Ibanez, with Diente having stayed. So it's for me, it's kind of necessary. You have to take advantage of that, especially when you've got two consecutive draws. We're not looking for a third. We need to get back on that winning streak. So it's essential. And 
I mean, I'm here for it. Having both of them playing together, hopefully the whole 90 minutes is going to be exciting and interesting, and we're expecting a lot of goals for this weekend. Absolutely. Lou, any thoughts, Any uh, anything that you foresee with this game, with the, with the changes? Well, for one, I think it's a great opportunity for, for Nico to start against a struggling team. Uh, Cruz Azul hasn't looked that great, to be honest. They've, they've given up a lot of goals. They struggled against weaker opponents. Uh, they struggled against Necaxa. They struggled against Cholos, and they gave up a ton of goals against Rayados. So that's a, that's a team that's not doing well, and I think it's a good chance for Nico to to score. I think he'll he'll have a shot at it, and I think he'll do quite well out there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for for this this squad, man. I think they've got a ton of opportunities. There's just a ton there. I'm glad. Coca's not messing with the midfield because I think the midfield is what kind of glues us all together. And I think he's respecting that, which is, I think, important. Who would have thought, man? Carioca and Pizarro in 2023. Jesus. Don't let Don Cuco hear that, man. Oh, man. Mario Castillejo is as excited <laughs> in heaven, man. Rest in peace. So, uh, quick uh, prediction for this game. Uh, Edgar? I'm going to say 3-0. Think it is a win. Wow, let's go on that thing. Yeah, three zero. I'm I'm with Edgar, man. Let's do it. Three zero. Okay. Yeah, you have Nico and Guignac, so it's can't be just one, can't be just two. And this Cruz Azul team is bad, and I'm not gonna spend time on talking about Cruz Azul because this team is bad. It's one of the worst I've seen in in a long time. But you know, hopefully we do come out with y'all's prediction. And lastly, guys, just quickly want to touch as we're getting close to the end. Tigres Femenil, you're one of your best players you know, last minute leaves and then we bring in another player and then get a loan off of another player. Tigres Femini, man, what, what's, what do we make all of all this? We get in the sixth one or what? Without a doubt. It's coming home. Well, it's staying at home. Yeah. What, uh, man, Tigres Femenil, man, is, is not only going to dominate the league in the years ahead, but I think they're going to start rubbing elbows with the big ones. Like, when I mean the big teams, I mean the Real Madrid's, the the Barcelona's. Why the wouldn't we? We have the best players that are Mexican, and we're bringing some hidden uh, or undiscovered talent to a market that they become stars, and they have the talent level to play there. So you are absolutely correct, and I hope everything that you said comes to fruition. Because I think that we're doing everything from a board perspective, financial perspective, social media perspective, campaign to connect with the fans, the players are bought into the team, the, the club, the organization, everything. And I think that Copa Amazonas, like Lou, he, he, I mean, sorry, Edgar mentioned on Twitter, on our Twitter thread, he wants Real Madrid or Barcelona next year. So truly exciting. This front office gets it, man. They understand what they have they understand the potential of Tigres Femenil and they're investing in it I was worried that they would kind of settle down and be like okay we've had a good run and we're just gonna let it kind of fizzle out they're not doing that and that is fantastic news because it tells me that they're they're all in and they're they're gonna grow the brand and honestly I think um Tigres Femenil is gonna take us to to the top I mean you mentioned it earlier that exposure that it gives you, but it, it's huge. I mean, it really is. So I think 
I'm I'm super grateful for the for the front office being aware of how important it is to keep it going. The NWSL is considered number one league in the world, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. And we made a transaction in six years from the Mexican league to the best league in the world because one of our players was scouted and they needed some record-breaking transaction at that. Yeah, I don't think people realize because I saw a lot of comments about it. Oh, 150,000. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like in the market for women, like there hasn't been a transaction over a million dollars yet. How did like it's what what they did was astronomical. I think that they are going to put us over the top on the men's side with the exposure and the brand that they're just going to naturally grow. The women's sport is developing, growing in theaters and is at the forefront, not just in Mexico, but at the forefront of women's soccer all over the world. And when you have a company like Semex who backs Synergia, who backs Tigres, it's not out of the question to rub elbows with the top three, five teams in the, in the world. And we're doing it in the best way possible as well. I mean, I didn't know that Kanu had joined us for free. And, you know, she leaves for that record-breaking transaction. And I'm almost positive I heard Mauricio Culebro speaking this morning. The newest signing the from South Africa is also a free transaction. Is that, her, is that how you pronounce her last name? Sasan? No Solo Sasan? That's her name, but I don't know. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. South Africans speak English, if I'm not mistaken. So I think you're, you're right. Right. So, I think that's correct. Lou, you were gonna add something onto that? No, no, I was just I was just gonna mention those two two new players that they added, uh Riley Parker, Sasan. I mean it they got everything to really be able to take the league and and hopefully that means opening up the doors for a CONCACAF Champions League on the women's side and and maybe even the Libertadores. I mean, how awesome would it be to like face up against the, you know, uh, Palmeiras Femenil and go to a Club World Cup? All that stuff I think needs to open up, and that just even more, more spotlight on Tigres Femenil. And I think they will be definitely the first people that get invited, or the first team that will get invited to any sort of tournament that comes up because they have the fan base, they have the players, the coaching everything to compete. So truly exciting times to be theaters fans, guys. We got about a minute left on the pod. Just want to say thank you guys for coming on. It's been a heck of a drive so far in this first month with everything theaters related. Hopefully everything keeps up and we continue to do well and get some hardware. Like Jing X said in the interview, man, let's go for more. Let's get more. There's plenty more to Plenty more titles to get, so let's go get it, man. This I think this is going to be a great year for Tigres. Absolutely. You guys have a great one, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Take care, guys.